Jefferson. Yeah. Look over there. You see that kid? Yeah. That's your 15 to 1 shot. If a cow says moo, does a moose say cow? <laughs> what am I betting that one day he'll sell shoes? Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children Podcast. This is Luigi. And no, just because I'm a house husband doesn't mean I don't work. I'm joined today by Chris Gunther. Hey, Chris, I got to ask you a question. Because we get horny and don't have the sense to say no. No, not that question, Chris. Well, that's the only one I have an answer to. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. Today we are reviewing Al Goes Deep, Season 8, Episode 25, original air date May 15th, 1994. Using their tax refund money, Jefferson and Al bet heavily on a college football game that they are guaranteed to win. But that's before Tremaine's prized yet not so bright quarterback Chad, who is being tutored by Bud, falls in love with Kelly, whom she pleasantly distracts from his training. Al must find a way to keep them apart at all costs after he finds out that other shady parties have also bet heavily on the game. Special guest stars, Kunal Achilles Alisio as Chad Dowling. Ron Pitts as TV announcer, Edward Blanchard as Stab Wound, and Marsha Del Mar as Maria. Director Amanda Burtz and the writers are Gary Bowron and Laurie Lee Goss. After 30 years, Al is getting one last shot at gridiron glory. And one last shot to the head. An all-new Married with Children, Sunday at 9, 8 central. So we are back in the nudie bar, rocking through the end of season eight. Chris, can you believe we're at the end of uh, season eight? No, I can't, man. It feels like it's flown by. Uh, it's been fun, and uh, you know, I'm finally getting settled into the nudie bar and uh, feeling right at home here. Yeah, I mean, I know it's kind of tough paying double for you know half uh, watered down drinks, but <laughs> I've really been enjoying it, and we got some rocking strippers in this place. Heck yeah, man! <laughs> so let's get underway. We open up with Al looking at a magazine called Hot New Boats. Hi, Al Bundy here. Hey, I got my income tax refund. I want to blow it all. <laughs> How much for a subscription to Hot New Boats? <laughs> yeah, that's a little steep. You're going to have an issue of Hot New Hooters? <laughs> Hello? Yeah, that was funny. I got, I, got a, I got a little story about the joke he made there about his tax refund. I think I mentioned before about, uh, you know, I used to work in the banking industry. D- the whole month of February and March, we used to refer as a tax season baller season. And that was basically just where people would get these absurd checks, you know, eight and $9,000 checks. And they'd go straight to Best Buy and Walmart and Target and blow it all on TVs, Blu-ray players, Xboxes, Playstations. And then two weeks later, they're on the overdraft list. <laughs> and Al, like the way he said that, that literally reminded me of the tax season ballers. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, and seventeen dollars and thirty-four cents, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we cut to Peg, who's actually become a homemaker, and she's making bonbons. Noel, I know how you could spend that refund. I saw this nice bonbon maker on the Home Shopping Network. <laughs> it would make my life a lot easier. Peg, if your life was any easier, you'd be in an urn in the garage. <laughs> Change your tune when my homemade bonbons go national. I've even got a slogan. Put a wanker in your mouth. <laughs> no offense, but I wanted to use my maiden name. You should use your mother's maiden name. Put an entire side of beef in your mouth. Now, isn't that really out of character for her? Yeah, it is. I kind of thought that too. I was like, well, why is she wanting to make something? Why is she wanting to do something here? But, you know, at least it's related to bonbons, which we all know she loves. <laughs> all right, Alan, close your eyes. I want you to tell me which one of these bonbons you like better. Now, I'm not going to tell you which one is mine. Oh. Not bad. Okay, now, this one. <laughs> so, what do you think? Yes. A lot of tank. <laughs> well, it should. I used a whole jar of it. <laughs> All right, now, Al, tell me what you think and be honest. Don't quit your day couch, Peg. <laughs> you suck. I'm going to go find Marcy and get a woman's opinion. Why? Does she know one? <laughs> hey, Al. Look, I really need hey, to talk Jefferson, to... Hey, Jefferson, come here a minute. I want you to try one of my homemade bonbons. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Where is it? In this meteorite? White. It's the most delicious thing. Peg's gone. Yeah, so she makes this bonbon uh, uh, the size of a meteorite, as Jefferson says, uh, out of tang. Now, I recorded a video that's posted on YouTube about a, and I did a review of tang. So, one of the things I mentioned in that is that tang is actually, I, I feel, uh, more a staple of the Married with Children diet than Weenie Tots because it was mentioned a total of 11 times across the entire series. Beginning all the way in season one, and this is actually the second to last mention of Tang. Uh, so this is the 10th mention in this episode. So the next one, next and last one will be in season 11. Um, now one thing I do want to point out about Tang that I didn't mention in the video is that the reason why it was used in the space program is that it's 100% vitamin C when it's dissolved in water. 
it's still not unnatural, but that is the health benefits that the astronauts uh, needed, from what I understand. Hmm. Isn't that wild? Yeah, it is. That's very interesting. I uh, I I remember drink, you know drinking Tang when I was younger. It's been years and years and years, but I remember it. Do they? I guess they still make it because I saw your video where you were trying it out. And like I said, I, I came up with my own uh, invention, you know, the, which was inspired by the show. So if you guys haven't checked out my video on YouTube, go check it out now. Well, excuse me. Go check it out after this podcast episode. Jefferson tells Al that he has done something terrible. Al, you got to help me. I have done something terrible. I know. I was at the wedding. <laughs> Not that. You know how Marcy's always saying I'm irresponsible with money? You mean because you haven't had a job in three years? <laughs> Just because I'm a house husband doesn't mean I don't work. <laughs> I laughed at that, man. I was like, I was like, I think he knows that. The wedding was in the backyard, wasn't it? <laughs> now, this is very out of character and cruel. So what the heck does Jefferson do to the maid? Excuse me, Mr. Jefferson. I have ironed your socks. May I please have my five minutes for lunch now? Uh, no. <laughs> Thank you. And the maid's name is Maria, and she is played by Marcia Del Mar. Yeah, I laughed at that. I was like, man, that was kind of rude. <laughs> He's like, Mr. Jefferson, can I please have a, br a break? <laughs> I mean, and this is after he declares that he's a house husband. So he's yet, even though he doesn't do anything, he still yeah. has help to clean up the house. Yeah. I mean, other than, you know, service Marcy, Marcy, whenever she needs it, <laughs> what exactly does he do? <laughs> and, you know, go to tanning beds and go get his hair done, and get his legs creamed and stuff like that. <laughs> Jefferson says that he received a $3,000 tax refund in the mail. Whoa, I'm in real trouble, Al. See, I wanted to prove to Marcy that I was good with money. So when her $3,000 tax refund came in, I took it and I invested it. In what? Clothes. <laughs> Look, Al, I've only got a couple hundred left. I need a good, solid 15 to 1 shot. Well, it's a 15 to 1 shot the next time I'm having sex. Peg will ruin it by walking in on me. <laughs> No, not good enough. I need a sure bet. Well, it's a sure bet that this time next year, Marcy will be a member of the Hair Club for Men. <laughs> ah, forget it. I'll just ask somebody who knows more about money than a shoe salesman. <laughs> Yo, paper boy! Now, Chris, he invested it in clothing. Now, what the heck is he wearing? I mean, I know that this is the 90s, but I mean, it even seemed a little over the top in terms of what he was wearing in terms of 90s gear. Yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> I mean, I don't remember, at least no one in my circle dressing that way. I don't know. <laughs> of course, I was, I mean, I was, when this episode aired, I was eight, uh, about to be nine years old, so... 
usually Annabelle would comment on something like that. So I did want to make mention to it. You know, there's another thing actually I wanted to mention about this episode before we got too far in. This was the last episode that was produced for season eight. So theoretically, this should have been the season closer. It wasn't the season closer. It's actually the penultimate or second to last episode. So when I think when we get to the our ratings later, maybe we could talk a little bit more about it. The other thing I do want to point out is that if you notice, Katie Segal is seated for almost the entire episode. She would give birth about three months after this episode aired. So that's another little tidbit. And you can almost see that she is visibly pregnant. I mean, when I was watching this episode, I, I sort of did take notice of that. And then I did read Annabelle's note on this. Yeah, I, I actually noticed that because I usually watch the episode before I read the notes that you have prepared. And I noticed that, too. And, and, and you know, we all know that, I guess, in the second half of the, uh, the show's run, her pregnancies become a major theme. She had uh, three of them total, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. You know, the, the first one is the most well-known, you know, because it was actually written into the script. And then she had this one. And then I believe a third one. If, I could be wrong, but I think she had a third one in season 10, if I'm not mistaken. But um, it, it, the way she was seated there, it sort of reminded me. You remember the, the opening scene in um, season six, episode one? where, uh, you know, Marcy walks in and announces she's pregnant, and then we find out Peg is pregnant, too. It was pretty obvious they were hiding it there because she was seated with that uh, TV dinner tray in her lap, you remember? <laughs> and it sort of it's, it sort of was the same thing here. It felt like they were, you know, trying to hide it. Yeah. I mean, it was very visual, and you could, you could see it. And I guess retrospectively, knowing this, you can see why they did the camera angles the way that they did them. You know, and I'm also happy that, you know, Jerry Cohen... Was, no, excuse me. Amanda Burst was the director on this, so I think she was overly sensitive to Katie Segal's situation at that point. Mm-hmm. So Jefferson comes in and says that he needs a 15-to-1 shot because he only has a couple of hundred left, which we assume is about $200, which would give him back the $3,000 that he lost. Now, Chris, you remember there was a gambling episode uh, early on. Do you remember mm-hmm. Dr. Footwear? Yes. <laughs> I sell shoes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, what was the name of that episode? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember that one. I was just looking it up. It's uh, season two, episode eight, uh, Born to Walk. And uh, I, I was just reading the, the synopsis here. Uh, it says uh, Al faces a series of misfortunes after he fails his driving test. <laughs> his name is Dr. Footwear. Get it? Yep. I sell shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Get it? I sell shoes. Get it? <laughs> And what were the odds on that one? I can't remember. I remember he he bet it was it a, was it a horse or a, a racehorse or a dog? Yeah. I can't remember. No, it was a, it was a racehorse. Yeah, a racehorse. And, and he made he made the bet with Steve. Like he he tried to give. If you remember in that episode, he wasn't able to bet, but Steve bet the money and Steve won the money. Yeah, yeah, and it was so funny because that because just the way Al, <laughs> I love it when Al thinks he has a great idea and he's like. I sell shoes. Get it? Get it? <laughs> right. So here we are, like another gambling episode, although now this is with Jefferson. So this sort of rounds them out uh, in terms of this topic. Mm-hmm. So here was a, a really biting joke. Al says, well, it's a 15 to 1 shot. The next time I'm having sex, Peg will ruin it by walking into me. He's like, <laughs> it's like, no, not good enough. I need a sure bet. So it's like, well, I'm sure that's a sure bet that this time next year, Marcy will be a member of the hair club for men. So, you know, I take personal offense to that with Dan Chase 
Stephen Scott. I think even you. Like, I'm offended oh, yeah. for you, Chris. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm as bald as, like, a, like a, a cue ball, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the things I wanted to do sort of in these next few seasons, as we look at in Season 9, uh, we may be able to do some uh, special podcasts. One of them is I wanted to re-review The Bald and the Beautiful with a panel of bald guys. So <laughs> we'll see if we can make that happen. Yeah, I'd be down for that. <laughs> yeah, so Jefferson then makes a, he, he makes a joke about how he needs to talk to somebody who knows more about money than a shoe salesman, and he calls over the paper boy. <laughs> the shoe salesman jokes never get old, man. My favorite joke of the entire episode, which I've used in real life, is when Bud comes down and asks Al a question. I'm ask you a question. Because we get horny and don't have the sense to say no. <laughs> no. Not, not that question, Dad. Well, that's the only one I have an answer to. So. <laughs> yep. That's hilarious. Yeah, I use it as my opening joke. You, you know, there's this old saying. It, it says, I'm sure you've heard this, God gave men two heads, but only enough blood to fill one of them at, at the time. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's basically a summary of what Al said there. You know, it's like, and it totally makes sense too. I mean, when one of your heads is working, the other one won't. You just have to, <laughs> you only have so much blood, man. Yeah, you know, and I mean, this really like touches on like the stupid things that we do. Yep. <laughs> you know, because of that. <laughs> yep. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's like if I had every penny back for, uh, you know, as far as money I've spent on women over the years, or if I had every all the time back that I wasted on women doing stupid stuff, you know, women that I either had no chance with or slight chance with or whatever. He's like, I'd be rich. You know, I have all the time in the world now, you know, <laughs> in the episode where, and baby makes money. That's from season five, uh-huh. season five, episode 11, if I'm not mistaken, Stymie C. Bundy dies and says that, you know, he's bequeathing his fortune to whoever produces a male heir. And in the will reading, he says that the reason why he was rich is because he never married. Yep. <laughs> and he reiterates it a few times. But, I mean, it doesn't – being stupid isn't regulated to just the be, being married or getting married. I mean, I think uh, all men, we do very stupid things. <laughs> yep. That's, that's a famous episode you referenced there because um... – up until that episode, we kept track of sex points. Remember, you know, Alex and Dan and Jamie and everything, they kept track of sex points. And it was a pretty close game between Al and Peg. But I think Peg scored about 80 or 90 points on that or 100 points. I don't even remember. She blew the, she blew the game out, put it that way. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of calculating sex points on that episode, they did it for an entire year. Yeah. And it looks like they were doing it like multiple times a day. So you figure 365 times three meant that they must have done it about a thousand times. Oh, so, I mean, yeah. Peg, Peg just blew them out of the water. Oh, yeah, yeah. It got to a point where it wasn't, you know, as far as the sex points game goes, there was no sense in tracking it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, I think all of us guys out there, we can commiserate with Al's line there. Mm-hmm. So Bud talks to Al about, you know, why life is unfair. Why is life so unfair? I mean, I go to college and get good grades. Yes, you do, son. I'm certainly good looking. (laughs) Yet some imbecile football player with the IQ of Buck gets girls while I get nothing. The secret of attracting the opposite sex is in the mutual sniffing of butt. (laughs) 
But let me tell you something. I was once that imbecile. I was once that football player. And if it makes you feel any better, I am what becomes of them. <laughs> have jobs like mine, houses like mine, and children like mine. I am your revenge. So you trade places with me? Are you kidding? <laughs> Al has a great comeback. It's like in terms of like, would you trade places with me? Nope, not a chance. <laughs> Al, when you really listen to him, what does he say? He says, you know, they have jobs like mine, houses like mine, and children like mine. He says, I am your revenge. So I think for all the nerds out there, uh, in terms of how they feel about their life when they present it with, let's say, a jock, like, let's say, a strapping jock, et cetera, you know, the head quarterback of the team. I mean, Al's just saying, I mean, this is a pretty cruel joke. It's like, well, no matter how cool they were in high school, they end up like me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of true for the most part. When you think about, I mean, I could give you example, example of guys, you know, that I know of that were made fun of a lot growing up. They were picked on didn't have friends, wherever they were nerds, wherever you want to call them. And they're all successful, either managers or business owners or something like that, you know. And then a lot of the jocks are <laughs> in medial dead-end jobs and, and whatnot. So <laughs> what what Al said there, you know, obviously it's not true in every case, but what Al said there I think does carry some water for sure. So I think it made people, it gave people some comfort. I think for all of the all the downtrodden who liked this show, it, it gave them a little bit of comfort. Because, you know, one of the things I'll say about the show, Chris, for me, always it's always been, you know, no matter how bad of a, of a day you had, again, watching the show in its first run, when you saw Al on, this, on Sunday night, and let's say you had a bad day or a bad week, you couldn't just help but laugh, but at his plight. No matter what he did, you know, the worst possible thing that could happen did happen. Yep. Right. You know, they say Murphy's Law, right? <laughs> yep. 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 It, it's it's like, you know, some of my favorite episodes, like Get Out of Dodge episode, uh, where Al's uh, car passes a million miles. You, it, Al is so close to winning. He's just so close to being successful. Like he was he was so close to getting that Dodge. But fate. Uh, just doesn't have in the cards for him. <laughs> and you want to root for him so bad. I mean, you want to pull for him. <laughs> but more often than not, he doesn't win. Put it that way. That's the nice way of saying it. I mean, and, and this is actually, you know, when we get to the end, this is a very atypical episode. So, I mean, we won't give it up. But this is a very atypical episode when it mm -hmm. comes to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get ready. Chad's going to be here in a few minutes to get tutored. The pig says, oink. Today's biology. Now, there's this little gag. Now, Bud has that toy that says, like, the cow goes moo. Uh, that's called a CNSA, which is an educational toy created by Mattel in 1965 after the success of its talking, chatty Kathy doll. So this is actually a real thing that... Uh, kids in the 90s who were learning words would actually play with. Yeah, heck, I, I still have one. I played with mine this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so we get introduced to Chad. Thank you, ladies. 
Thank you, ladies. It's time for my lesson now. But I'll be walking home in an hour. <laughs> Don't you hate women hanging all over you everywhere you go? Good thing we're at our sexual peak, eh, buddy? Sure is. Remains all-star quarterback. Yes, sir. Pleasure to meet you, son. Al Bundy. I hope you don't mind me calling you son. Uh, no offense. Bud. Bud, yeah. I'm sure my son Bud here has told you all about me, Al Bundy. Poke high, four touchdowns, one game. Actually, he told me more about his real father, the Green Beret who got lost in that recon mission over now. Yeah, well, his uh, real mother, the late Toadie Fields, took that uh, took that real hard. Well, come on, let's sit down, son. Let's talk a little football. Uh, excuse me, Dad. You know, Mr. Bundy, if you're such a fan, you ought to come to our homecoming game this weekend. We're playing our traditional rival, the Sonora Screaming Desert Tortoises. <laughs> hey, I hear they're tough this year. Hey, Chad, like we got a anyway, lot of work. You ought to be there. We're gonna kill them. You're that good, huh? No, probably shouldn't tell you this, but I just found out their quarterback's gonna be out on academic probation. Man, if we were allowed to cash in the free cars the alumni gave us in bet, I'd put the farm on this one. <laughs> Especially before the word gets out. Now, Chad's name is Cornell Achilles Aulicio. Now, when, if you look him up on IMDb, he's actually become today a very big producer. He has a bunch of acting credits, but he's been a producer for a number of shows. Uh, Downtown Shabby is a more recent one. It Takes a Church, Buying for Billionaires, The Millionaire Matchmaker. I know people may be uh, a little more familiar with that one. Tori and Dean Storybook Weddings, Pretty Wild. His acting credit on Married with Children was one of his earlier ones. Although he started as early as 1991, but uh, he's actually had more of a career as a producer than as an actor. Cool. Sounds like he's had a good career. And some of the dialogue that Chad has with Bud really like digs into him. He says, don't you hate women hanging all over you everywhere you go? Good thing <laughs> we're at our sexual peak, huh? Sorry for Bud there, man. <laughs> yeah, and I really felt sorry for like the next piece of dialogue. You know, Al calls uh, Chad. He's like, I hope you don't mind me calling you son. <laughs> no offense, <laughs> Bud. <laughs> That's almost like a, a Rodney Dangerfield line right there. Yep. <laughs> no offense. So we, we find out that Bud likes to fib about who his father is. Yeah, that was funny too. I was like, <laughs> can you imagine? I mean, just for a second in real life, uh, like, you know, like your son, you have children, right? I can't remember. I do. I, I do. Remember. Two boys. Okay. I can't Two. remember if they were boys or girls or whatever, but can you imagine, you know, like, let's say your son is 15, 16, 17 years old. Can you imagine if you found out your son was lying about you not being your father, not being the father, <laughs> like how like ashamed you'd be, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the interesting thing was that he see, they make a reference to Vietnam again, just uh -huh. like when we recorded Scared Single. Mm -hmm. He says, you know, actually, he told me more about his real father, the Green Beret who got lost in that recon mission over Nam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And his real mother was the late Toddy Fields. Mm-hmm. So Toddy Fields was a comedian. Uh, she gained fame during the 60s and 70s. Ed Sullivan gave her her first break when he booked her on her show after seeing her perform at the Copacabana in New York. She made multiple appearances on the Ed Sullivan Show, the Mike Douglas Show, Merv Griffith Show, and the Tonight Show, starring Johnny Carson. She appeared in a 1971 episode of the Carol Burnett Show and a 1972 fifth season episode of Here's Lucy. Yeah, I uh, actually YouTube some of her last night. She's pretty funny. I, I, I don't know if you saw the clip, uh, which clip she saw or whatever, but there was this one where she was uh, kind of roasting the crowd, kind of a like, really corny way, but she's pretty funny. Yeah, and no, I did see that, Chris. That was awesome. So her name again is Toddy Fields, T-O-T-I-E Fields. She died in 1978. Thank you, Thank you am I adorable? Did you ever see anything more precious than this? I look like a stuffed canary in this dress, don't I? Oh, I just think it's precious. And do you want to know something? Look at this. I lost so much weight. Can you believe that? That's an 18-inch waistline through the center. <laughs> oh, but my feet are killing me. I have to sit down. Do you want to know something? Do you ever notice something? You buy cheap shoes, they never hurt. They burn you to death. <laughs> oh, my feet. You know, I am the greatest shopping nut in the world. I love a bargain. If I told you girls what I found yesterday, shopping, you'll eat your hearts out. You ready? Stockings I bought. 50 pairs of stockings I got. 12 cents a pair. The seams go up the front. I don't know what I'm going to do. But for 12 cents a pair, I can learn to walk backwards, right? So Al and Chad talk about football and this big game that's coming up. Yep, and you can almost see that light bulb go off in Al's head. You know, it's like, here's a chance to make some money. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, can, you can literally see that light bulb go off. Now, Chris, you're from Texas. I, I really, believe it or not, don't know much about football. Uh-huh. Believe it or not, after all these years, uh, I've I've watched some football games, but I have no idea how the game is played. And I know that there are people screaming right now at the podcast when they hear this. <laughs> but in the case where like a quarterback gets injured at the college level, I'm assuming it's illegal to gamble on a college football game. Is that correct? Uh I would assume so. Are you talking about like uh, with like insider information and stuff or something like that? Or I mean, I don't know much about gambling. Uh, I don't think gamble. I don't think you're allowed to gamble on college sports, though. But I, I could be totally wrong. I think it's just. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I'm not entirely sure on that. <laughs> the way the way it's done here sort of sounds uh, illegal, though. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get a, more to that in a, in a little bit. Yeah. So Jefferson comes back. The cow says, moo. What is it, Al? Jefferson, look over there. You see that kid? Yeah. That's your 15 to 1 shot. If a cow says moo, does a moose say cow? What am I betting, that one day he'll sell shoes? That's Chad Dowling, Tremaine's all-star quarterback. He told me that the quarterback for the opposing team is out on probation and won't play in the big game on Saturday. But the best part is nobody knows about it yet. Are you sure about this, Al? 
Because if you're not, Marcy's gonna hurt me bad. <laughs> Jefferson, you think I would bet my $17.34 tax refund if I wasn't <laughs> sure? I don't know much, but I know football. You're right, on both counts. Oh, Al, you're the best friend I've ever had. I gotta go call my bookie. And the look he gives when Chad says, well, if a cow says moo, does a moo say cow? <laughs> and he says, what am I betting that one day he'll sell shoes? <laughs> yeah, I laughed at that, man. Yeah, I mean, this episode does have a couple of good jokes. We'll keep, we'll keep talking about it. There are a couple of great singers, but there are a couple of problems with the episode, and we'll talk about that as, as we go along. Mm -hmm. So Al now mentions that he has $17.34 to bet. Yeah, he's so proud of that $17.34, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, remember, like, uh, remember one time he was talking about how he had to get the monkey off his back. It was like 40 bucks, I think, was like his refund or something like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was in the prior seasons. But, I mean, now we're getting to, like, ridiculous amounts. Although it's interesting that like, they actually added cents, like, to put more emphasis on it. Instead <laughs> of saying it was $17, it's like, no, it's $17.34. <laughs> yep. Yep. So Chad asks Al if he ever played college ball. It was nice to meet you, Mr. Bundy. And, by the way, why didn't you ever play college ball? Well, that's a long, sad story, Chad. Excuse us. <laughs> it was 20 years ago. Poke High's big game. My girlfriend at the time, well, later it became my wife, but that's another tragic tale, <laughs> had this little habit of shouting at me while I was in the game. Of course, I hated that. So, of course, she shouted at me one time when a 300-pound linebacker was barreling down on me. When I came to, I had two kids and was selling shoes. <laughs> oh, tough luck. Oh, well, I bounced right back. I mean, when I'm 65, I'll get the golden shoehorn, <laughs> which I can sharpen and fall onto when I'm 66. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say, son, is learn from my mistakes. Don't ever let a woman take over your life. Oh, you don't have to worry about me, Mr. Bundy. I'm way too young to fall in love. On each of these episodes, we always talk about continuity, and this is something that Alex and crew would talk about. Yep. Now, we have a big blaring issue, and there are a bunch of continuity issues in this episode, and the writers for this episode, again, their names were Gary Bowren and Laurie Lee Goss. This was their first attempt at writing for Married with Children, so I don't believe that they understood the canon of this show very well. Al mentions that the Polkai game was 20 years ago. Yeah. So that, which leads us to believe that that game was in 1974. Right. Now, at one point they talk about having a 1974 Dodge, although the math says that Kelly would have been born in November of 1971. And he's mentioned many times that he's part of the Panthers of 66. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden now he is eight years younger. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, he, that means he either, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't try to make sense of it. I was going to say, if it were 20 years ago, at this point, that would mean he was in his mid-20s and still in high school, basically. Right, yeah. <laughs> or, it, it, <laughs> that's a good point. But I feel like, you know, that was like, 
I'm not going to say lazy writing, but that is like uninformed writing. I mean, they could have said it was almost 30 years ago because, again, yeah. at that point in time, it would have been, let's see, 66 and 94. It would have been, what, 28 20, years? 28 years ago, yeah. Although I was about to say, well, I guess I guess your, your exact math there kind of dispels my theory. I, I was going to say that it could have just been over the, you know, if you're having a conversation with somebody, a lot of times you'll say 20 years if it's really – 23 or you might say 30 years if it's 27 or 28 you know but as you just said it's 28 years ago it wouldn't make sense for him to say 20 it would make more sense for him to say 30 or maybe even 25 you know so i don't know because a lot of times when you're when you're when you're just having a conversation with someone you don't do quick math you just estimate you know what i mean <laughs> i know i i know i do at least but yeah so he mentions about his girlfriend had a habit of shouting at him while he was in the game. So she shouted at me one time when a 300-pound linebacker was barreling down on me. And when I came to, I had two kids and was selling shoes. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, like for myself, it hits a nerve with me. Because as you get older, sometimes you wonder, it's like, what, what the hell happened? Today, for example, someone on Facebook posted a picture of me when I was in college. And this picture is over 20 years old. And sometimes like, I think to myself, it's like, hmm, I don't feel like I got out of college a long time ago. But now as an adult, it's like, wow, more years have passed from, when I was in, from, from the age I was when I was in college than, than what I am today. You know, again, I'm at 42. You gra I graduated college, I guess, what was I, uh, 22, right? Yeah. It's almost the same amount of time that's passed. It's like, wow, like a, an entire lifetime has passed. It's like kids who were born when I was uh, in college are now graduating college. Yeah, it's almost the exact same. Like, you know, you're talking about entire lifetime, whatever. It's almost the exact same um, math for me being out of high school. I, I'm 35. I graduated in uh, 2003. And it's like, you know, I was 18 then, and it's been 17 years since then. I've been out of high school almost as long as I've, you know, was alive before that. It's kind of weird. And, uh, like, I, it's kind of weird because, like, I still think of myself as really young. You know, I always say this. I still think of myself as really young because I'm active. I work out. You know, I exercise. I run. Things like that. I still think of myself as if I'm like 20 until I'm like around the 20 year old. Then I feel like an old man, you know, <laughs> when, right. I hear the, when I hear the stuff they talk about. But yeah, it's the same thing. Like when I see an old photo of me, you know, whenever I was 19, 20 years old, I'm like, damn, that was a long time ago. What happened? <laughs> Where'd time go? You know? Right. And, you know, and I think really like that, that joke, I mean, it's funny the way it's delivered, but I mean, there is more to it too. And I think for anyone who, was in their 30s and 40s and 50s watching this show, you know, you start to get, you really become to understand that passage of time. They say it's like when you're a child, time doesn't move fast enough. It's like you're waiting. It's like, oh my God, when am I going to be 16 where I can get my driver's license? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's two years away. It's like, I can't wait. It's like, oh my God, it's like, it's so long. And as you get older, time speeds up. It's like, at this point, I look at myself and I'm like, where did the last year go? Your whole sense of time changes. And I think they really hit it. I mean, like I said, it's, uh, it's a little sober. It's a, it's, it's a funny line, but it's also very sobering as well. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, and, you know, and you can, 
you can break it down year over year. I mean, like you said, where did this year go? Where did this last five years go? It, it's kind of crazy when you think about it like that. Yeah. So Al wants to school Chad the way that he schooled Aaron. If you remember, Chris, when we talked about scared single. Yep. So he says to him, don't ever let a woman take over your life. He's like, oh, you don't have to worry about me, Mr. Bundy. I'm way too young to fall in love. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, in comes Kelly and we cue the Gone with the Wind music. It's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ, and I'm gonna play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry with Children. Hey, Daddy, guess what? <laughs> Pumpkin? Oh, Chad? Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Before we talk about Peg's bonbon factory, Chris, I want to talk about this, something that's also from a continuity perspective, something that's a little out of the ordinary for Al, which I had a problem with in this episode. Why doesn't he beat this guy up? Yeah, and that's a good question. I saw that in the notes, but I, I mean, I guess the, the simple answer is, you know, he wants him to play in the football game and win. <laughs> if he beat him up, that might injure him, I mean, I, and he might not play, or he might purposely pay, play bad if he's mad, you know. That's the only answer I can come up with. I mean, normally, you're right. He would grab a guy and just beat him up against the wall and kick him out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's one particular scene we'll talk about when we get there that, to me, is even more disturbing, but definitely out of character for Al. Yeah. So Peg makes these special bonbons where she triples the sugar and adds more caffeine. And Marcy looks like the Energizer chicken. So anyway, Marcy, I just tripled a few of the ingredients. Well, actually, I I tripled the sugar and added a little bit more caffeine. (laughs) Tell me, do you think it's too much? No, I think they're great. Give me more. I don't care what the scientists say about sugar. They lie. I hate them. I hate them all. Al's home. Al's home. I hate you. Welcome home, Al. How was your day? I've had a great day. Still haven't gotten my tax refund. It'll come soon. It's going to be a big one. Have you tasted Peggy's bonbons? Gee, I wonder what's on TV tonight. It's Sunday. Oh, no. Carlin's on. Al's home. Hi, Al. Yeah, man. Did anybody notice? Do you, do you think they purposely made her wear these shorts that she's wearing because it, you, you know, it, it it shows her chicken legs? <laughs> Did you notice that? Yeah, well, yeah. I, but what I thought was even more interesting is she's the director on this episode. Yeah. So I wonder. I want. I'm sure either her or somebody behind the scenes is like, we need her to wear these goofy shorts and run around like a chicken. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, she does mention that she hasn't gotten her tax refund. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the plot line. And unfortunately, you know, that particular plot line, again, we'll talk about it at the end, really doesn't get resolved either. No, no. By the way, do the Energizer Bunny commercials, do those still run? Or I don't feel like I've seen one in a while. You know, I really don't watch much broadcast television these days. So I'm wondering if those commercials are out, where are they? And that's probably my problem, too. I rarely watch broadcast television. I mean, I think. Most people stream things now or, or whatnot, or they watch at a later date. But I 
can't remember the last time I saw one. I'll put it that way. What is thy bidding, my master? There is a great disturbance in the force. It is better. If you knew the power of the dark side. Still going. Nothing outlasts the Energizer battery. It keeps going and going. So Marcy says to Al, have you tasted Peggy's bonbons? Like, I wonder what's on TV tonight. It's Sunday. Oh, no, Carlin's on. So she's referring to George Carlin, very famous American stand-up comedian, actor, author, and social critic. He was known for his black comedy and reflections on politics, the English language, psychology, religion, and various taboo subjects. He and his Seven Dirty Words comedy routine were central to the 1978 U.S. Supreme Court case FCC versus Pacifica Foundation, in which a 5-4 to four decision affirmed the government's power to regulate indecent material on the public airwaves. Widely regarded as one of the most important and influential American stand-up comics of all time, Carlin was dubbed by one newspaper to be the Dean of Counterculture Comedians. His show was on Sundays on Fox after Married with Children. Yeah, he's a brilliant comedian. I, uh, you know, I actually listened to some of his YouTube stuff. I, I, yeah, I pull up YouTube and listen to some of his stuff last night, which I've heard before. But he's brilliant comedian. He's a comedian that I frankly don't know if he could survive now, because <laughs> you know, in today's PC world where you know everybody has to be careful what they say, and everyone it seems like a lot of people take offense to a lot of things, and it. it Seems like it's a tough time for comedians. I don't know how well George Carlin would go over today, to be honest with you. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if he would get brownie points for the stuff he had done in the past. Yeah. And you're right, though. He might, he, he could be a, he, there's a chance he might be grandfathered in, so to speak. I mean, sort of like Family Guy and The Simpsons. You know, I think, I think Alex has made mentioned that before. You talk about shows like uh, The Simpsons and uh, Family Guy. You know, they still do a lot of the offensive stuff that they did, you know, 20, 30 years ago. So especially in the Simpsons case, because they're grandfathered in. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I don't remember Jamie had made mention of Lenny Bruce. So, I mean, George Carlin was in that same genre of comedy. So if Lenny Bruce were still alive, is that something, would he still be relevant with that, his brand of comedy? Yeah. I don't know. You know, sometimes you don't know. Some, some people can do it. Some can't. I don't know if you've ever listened to Dave Chappelle before. Yeah, no, I ha I definitely have. Okay, Dave Chappelle is a a, a brilliant comedian. Uh, he his his kind of his big thing is race humor, race related humor, and a lot of his stuff. I mean, to some people would probably be extremely offensive, but most people like him. You know, you know, people that listen to him do. <laughs> so, I don't know. Some people can do it. Some people can't. It seems. So we have this scene where Marcy crashes. Hey, maybe I made this batch a tad too sweet. Here, Buck, what do you think? Peg, have you seen Kelly and Chad? Yeah, they went to the zoo. Yeah, but I heard he mispracticed today. So? So? Peg, don't you understand if Chad doesn't win... <laughs> pretty sight when she crashes <laughs> or when he does i'm gonna kill him i'm gonna wait till they're asleep then i'm gonna kill him then i'm gonna eat him 
I'm gonna kill them, eat them, then bury their bones. I knew this would happen. Kelly's making it hard for Chad to concentrate on the game. Relax, Al. They're just a couple of kids in love. They remind me of us when we were that age. That's exactly why I have to put a stop to it. <laughs> I used to have such pretty hair. Where, oh, where is my pretty hair? <laughs> oh, I'm getting old. I knew it when I stopped lifting my leg to pee. <laughs> my God, I'm peeing right now. Maybe shopping will make you feel better. Well, it would if my income tax would come. By the way, do you know that your dog is wetting the floor? <laughs> yeah, but in his defense, at least he wasn't aiming for the toilet. <laughs> now, Chris, I mean, have you ever seen kids being fed sugar and just watch them go wild and then finally see them crash? Yeah. <laughs> Or it's almost like somebody drinking a Red Bull or something, and then like after afterwards they just crash. <laughs> I went to a friend's wedding in Spain. I'm, I know if Dan Chase is listening to this, he's laughing. <laughs> so, weddings in Spain and any affairs that happen in Spain are usually very late at night. One of the reasons why is the uh, Spain is on the edge of the European time zone, so it's literally the same time in Spain as it is in Poland. So what happens is the sun rises like at 8 o'clock in the morning and sets in the summertime, like at 1130 at night. So many people really don't go out until it gets dark. And uh, at this wedding, two of my friends had to drive back to Madrid to catch their flight back home. And I originally, I was supposed to drive them and we made a change in plans. So I remember one of my friends, his name is Mike, uh, started, had like a six pack of Red Bull to keep him awake for a four hour drive. Oh, wow. From where we, from where we were, like at two o'clock in the morning to catch a, uh, I think it was like a seven or nine o'clock flight, <laughs> and uh, I heard that the crash after downing six Red Bulls was epic. After that, I bet, man, I've done that before. You know, I not not driven, well, I've driven like that too. But one of the things I usually do, uh, you know, I'm a flight attendant, and whenever I work those uh, long international flights, you know, it might be. Houston to Sydney, Australia, for example, which is a a 17 hour flight, you know, a little over 17 hours. That's a really, really long flight. You know, we do get breaks where we can take naps on a, on a flight that long, but still it's hard to, between the, between the jet lag, you know, of all the time changes or whatever, it's still hard to stay awake when you need to stay awake to be working. So, you know, Red Bulls and monsters, man, that's the way you do it. So Chris, what'd you think about how they inserted Buck into that scene with Marcy. Oh, you're talking about where he was just sitting there with her? Yeah, he was sitting, he, he peed. Oh, yeah, where he peed, yeah. <laughs> that was and she funny. notices. Yeah, that was pretty funny and, and gross. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I, I love how the writers, when they write Buck in, usually he has at most one or two lines, but they're always zingers. Yeah, yeah. So Kelly and Chad are in love. You know, I feel really good about this biology exam. I mean, with all this knowledge of animals, maybe I'll be a veteran. It's not veteran. 
It's vegetarian. God, you're smart. God, you're wonderful. I have to go upstairs for a minute. Daddy, will you entertain Chad for me? Certainly, pumpkin. He says, with all this knowledge of animals from the uh, CNC, <laughs> he says that maybe he'll be a veteran. Yeah. Yeah, that was hilarious, man. It's so funny. It's like whenever he says to Kelly, wow, you're smart. You know, it's like, wow. <laughs> if you tell Kelly she's smart, then how dumb must you be? You know what I mean? But I mean, they make a good couple. <laughs> you remember when we were introduced to Vinny Verducci? Yep. Uh, I guess that was season five, I'm going to say, five yep. or six. Yep. <laughs> He's at the door and it's like, you know, Kelly, op- uh, Kelly opens the door and says, you know, I'm not home. <laughs> and then he says, well, you know, well, should I wait <laughs> or do you want me to come back? <laughs> yep. So Al schools Chad. She's beautiful, isn't she? <laughs> yes, she certainly is. <laughs> what do you think you're doing, Chad? <laughs> You missed football practice today. There was practice today? Man, time just stops when I'm with Kelly. Chad, you do not want Kelly. From the moment she was conceived, she's ruined men's lives. (laughs) All men. Swaggart, Baker, Kennedy. (laughs) Kennedy, Kennedy. (laughs) Swaggart again. (laughs) Please don't make me relive this. But, But Mr. Bundy, Kelly is very special to me. And it's not just a physical thing. Well, it's mostly physical. (laughs) Listen to me, Chad. You must forget about Kelly and concentrate on the game. Chad? (laughs) Chad! If I was 20 years younger and didn't have a 20-pound bonbon in my belly, I'd play that game myself. And he says, from the moment she was conceived, she's ruined men's lives, all men. Swaggered, Bakert, Kennedy, 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 Swaggered again. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny. So for our younger viewers, this is what they're talking about. When he mentions Swaggered, he's talking about Jimmy Swaggered. In 1988, Swagger was implicated in a sex scandal involving a prostitute that resulted initially in his suspension and almost ultimately defrocking by the Assemblies of God. Three years later, Swaggered was implicated in another scandal involving a prostitute, as a result, Swaggart's ministry became non-affiliated, non-denominational, and significantly smaller than it was in the ministry's pre-scandal years. Baker is referenced to Jimmy Baker, and that is the whole Jessica Hahn scandal. And as we remember, Jessica Hahn appeared on the show and later was, I don't know if he, she married Ron Levitt, but she was, um, I think, like his like domestic uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Domestic partner or domestic, domestic partner or something like that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So the three Kennedys that are mentioned, because they say Kennedy, Kennedy, Kennedy. So talking about JFK, Robert F. Kennedy, and Ted Kennedy. I believe that all of them were linked to extramarital affairs. Yeah, I think so. Or indecent uh, relations with women who were not their spouses. Yeah. <laughs> J- JFK was, was at one point was with uh, Marilyn Monroe, or was that just a rumor, or was that ever confirmed? I can't remember. Ah, uh, I, you know, I think if you, from a political standpoint, if you talk to some people, they will say no, that's not true. You talk to other people, it is true. I mean, I think it's all in the realm of possibilities. I mean, obviously, there there may be people who know, but 
unless someone comes out and says directly, it's like, I did have an affair. Sometimes these things are speculation. And I think it's not fair for uh, people to speculate on it because a lot of these things become fodder for tabloids. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I, I mean, one thing is at one point there was a tabloid that said that Ed O'Neill was having an affair with uh, Christina Applegate. <laughs> what? I never heard that. <laughs> yeah, you know, there was there was something. I think it was toward the end of the show's run, and Ed O'Neill like, mentioned it. Like, he sort of walked in with a stack of them and was just, like, laughing. Oh, and, wow. You know, we have, like, we have to imagine. It's like people make money off of you know, tabloids. It's like whether yeah. it's a National Enquirer or any of these things. And are they necessarily true? I mean, that's not to say that so, there isn't truth in them, but sometimes – there, there is no truth, and it's just sort of like almost like a speculation just in order to get people to buy magazines or newspapers. Because if you think about it, that's the whole point of a tabloid. A lot of times you read the headline, and the headline makes something seem like a little outrageous, something that you wouldn't expect. And then when you actually read the article, you find that it's not as outrageous as the headline implies. And the reason why it's done is that, remember, journalism is also a business. Bringing that up about Ed O'Neill and uh, Christine Applegate is when you're a public figure, it's almost impossible to sue somebody for uh, defamation or, or I, I can't remember which one is which one is spoken and which one is written. I can't. There's slander and then there's defamation of character. But at any rate, it's almost impossible to sue somebody when you're a, a public figure. So that's why you'll see on National Enquirer, you'll see these crazy stories that may or may not be true, whatever. And they know they can get away with printing it by virtue of that person being a public figure. I mean, just look at look at the National Enquirer or U.S. Weekly or whatever. Next time you're in Target or Walmart or wherever, and look at the crazy stories they have about the Queen and and uh, uh, Prince Prince Harry, Prince, Prince Andrew, uh, you know, different Hollywood actors and actresses. Our favorite uh, Meghan Markle. Yeah, Meghan Markle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just look at the stuff they have about Meghan Markle. I mean, you know, there was one on there. I, it literally said that she tried to poison the queen. <laughs> it's like, okay, I think we all know that's not true, but she can't really sue that, that magazine maker. I guess just because uh, as by virtue of being a public figure, it's really hard to do it. I feel for people like that. I mean, I feel for people who are uh, famous in various ways. I mean, whether they're a political figure, um, maybe an entertainment figure, uh, you know, sports figure, etc. It's like they have to deal with these things. And, you know, you can understand. I mean, one of the things, you know, sometimes we talk about, wouldn't it be great to get more of the stars of the show on podcast? Mm -hmm. And they obviously have their careers. If you ran into one of them on the street, one time I was actually about 20 feet away from Ed O'Neill. I mean, I was probably one of the few times I've ever been starstruck. But... You know, I also recognize it's like they're people too. And if every single person who's a fan of, of let's say, Ed O'Neill, walk up to him and want to talk to him and take his picture, I mean, if you actually met him in real life, he would probably be a little annoyed at you. Yeah. You know, yep. because there comes a point when it's got to stop. Yep. You know, because they have to also live their life. I mean, they may have children, grandchildren. They have to go to their dentist appointment. I mean, they're still human beings. Yep. So. Yep. You're um, right. I, I feel for them. And it's one of the reasons why, like, we, if someone is interested in, you know, if there's one of the stars of the show listening to the podcast and they want to obviously talk on it, we, we welcome them with open arms. But, you know, at, we're not going to go out of our way to pester and hound them because 
Uh, it's just not the polite thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, last, so they make a mention of Swaggart again. So with uh, uh, Jimmy Swaggart just loved prostitutes. So he had his issues uh, back in 1988. And then in 1991, he was again found in the company of a prostitute. And he was pulled over by a police officer in Indio, California for driving on the wrong side of the road. Inside the vehicle was this woman named Rosemary Garcia. And according to Garcia, Swaggart had stopped to proposition her on the side of the road. And she later told reporters, he asked me for sex. I mean, that's what he stopped me for. That's what I do. I'm a prostitute. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, she was frank and straight to the point. (laughs) And, you know, that's one of the interesting things about prostitution. I mean, there's two sides to it. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of exploitation. Uh, There's exploitation of women that occurs there. But there are some people who legitimately just want it as sort of a profession. I mean, it is the world's oldest profession. So it's interesting. She's like, well, it's like, that's what I do. (laughs) Yeah. I went to Amsterdam earlier this year. This is my back in February, right before the coronavirus and everything, you know, got really big. It was my first time in the Netherlands. I was amazed just at how much of an open profession it is there. The uh, hostel I stayed at was actually right next to the, the red light district. I actually went to this museum. It's just, it's called the Museum of Prostitution, and you learn a lot about it. And um, it, it's literally like a, a career or, or a profession that, you know, some look to go in when they're younger. And it's, it's, a respe- it's actually a pretty respected profession. Like you have to be licensed. It's regulated. You pay taxes. I mean, it's, it's literally like just like any other business. You know, it's, it's like... Uh, working as a mechanic here in the United States, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, and you tighten other kinds of nuts, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Jefferson comes back and tells Al that he's gotten people involved in the bet for the big game. Al, you're the greatest. When I told my bookie this inside information, he bet a hundred grand of his own money. <laughs> Even the jukebox guys are in on it. With their 500 grand, my 200, and your $17.34, we're gonna make a killing. You're gonna be a hero, Al. You're gonna be kibble, Al. (laughs) There's one of the singers. So now Al tries to convince Kelly to break up with Chad and see other guys. Mm-hmm. So Al calls up one of Kelly's old boyfriends, Stab Wound. Now, Pumpkin, I want you to know that I'm very fond of Chad. And I know that you're very happy with him. But I think maybe it's time you started seeing other guys. Daddy, I do see other guys. <laughs> They're everywhere. I see them driving. I see them walking. I see them at the park. Uh, Pumpkin, that's not what Daddy meant. I mean, I, I think it's time you started to, to date other guys. Daddy, I am mature enough to make my own decisions. And if you do anything to stand between me and Chad, I am going to hold my breast until I turn blue. Okay. Okay, okay. If Chad is what you want, I will not stand in your way. I said if Chad is what you want, I will not stand in your way. Well, glory be. 
Pumpkin, look, it's your old boyfriend's stab wound. <laughs> hey, stab, well, what are you doing here? Well, you called him. <laughs> uh, how long has it been, stab? About five years? Three, good behavior. <laughs> Come on in here. <laughs> Kelly, you remember stab wound, don't you? <laughs> say, say hello, Kelly. Get out. Okay. Well, that was 20 bucks well spent. My favorite line there is like, how long has it been, Stab? About five years? Three. Good behavior. Okay. <laughs> you know what I find funny about this is, uh, you know, Alex, I think, points this out, uh, does a really good job of pointing this out, is how much Kelly's character has changed from season three up until the present. When you think about the guys that Kelly dated, it, you know, season three, four, and five, which I think was pretty much the show's prime years. And then look at the guys she's in, into now. They're a lot different. And when you see these two guys, well, I guess in some cases they're different. Sometimes she still goes for like the, <laughs> the trashier guys, so to speak. But when you look at this guy and then you look at Stab Wound, <laughs> it's like you wouldn't think that the same girl would date both of them, would you? <laughs> right. I mean, they look like they just look like two vastly different people. <laughs> and you know what I don't understand is that you know Al spent tw gave Stab Wound twenty bucks to come talk to Kelly. Uh -huh. His tax refund was seventeen dollars and thirty four cents. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so even if he wins, he's still going to lose in this deal. I mean. <laughs> Well, I'm saying I guess he's banking that, you know, if Kelly goes back to stab wound, he'll make money. But it's like if he loses, <laughs> I mean, he's down three dollars, what, three dollars, seventy seventy six cents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just like I mean, well, <laughs> Al's business ventures have never been the brightest, in, you know, as a whole. So. <laughs> so Al enlists Kelly to help him. All right, look, Pumpkin, I'm going to level with you. But tomorrow's game, there's going to be some very powerful men who will not breathe easy until Chad wins the game. Well, maybe if they use both nostrils, they'd breathe easier in the first place. Pumpkin, do you want to go trolling in Lake Michigan for your daddy? No. All right. Then you have to make sure that Chad's team wins. Understand? Chad's team has to win. Jin. I win again. Yeah, this sure beats the hell out of having sex. Well, I better get off to the game. How about a kiss goodbye? Uh-uh-uh. No sugar until after you win the game. Right after? Right after. Man, I'm gonna smoke that team. <laughs> Al says, Pumpkin, do you want to go trolling in Lake Michigan for your daddy? <laughs> yep. Chris, I want to talk about this piece that comes up right here. Chad says, how about a kiss goodbye? And Kelly says, no sugar until after you win the game. And she winks at Al. Doesn't it appear to you that Al is pimping out his daughter now? Sort of, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and Kelly is, never mind me, so... We're in season eight, so we're assuming Kelly's about 23 here, I guess, if my math is correct. 
She's about 23, 22, 23, something like that. Yeah, it sort of does feel like he's doing that. It's kind of weird. You know, this is, you know, I'm going to sound like Alex now. I mean, what the hell are we watching here? Well, it sort of goes back to like the the show is just unconventional in the way it, it shows stuff that you wouldn't see on other programs. And it shows stuff that, reasonably speaking, you would never do in real life. I mean, think about how many times we've seen Al and Peg insult each other sexually in front of their children. I mean, can you imagine your parent, your mom or your dad taking shots at each other sexually in front of you? Or can you imagine like, you know, you, you know, you or your one of your siblings taking shots at each other sexually in front of your parents? You know what I mean? It just kind of goes back to the the show showing things that I don't think would happen in real life, <laughs> at least in most normal families. But as we know, the Bundys are definitely the atypical family. They're not normal in any way. So, <laughs> And I agree with you, Chris, but my problem here is the writers of this particular episode did not follow anything. Like there, there are a couple of rules to me, you know, in Married with Children. You know, it's like Al, Al beats up Kelly's boyfriends unless they're rich. I mean, he's got, there's got to be something in it for him. I guess maybe that's part of that here. It's like, you know, the whole Panthers of 66 and there's talking about, <laughs> at this point, a high school game that happened in 1974. He's pimping out his daughter, which would be something that he would, Al would never really do. In the whole course of the show up till now, it's something that would really be atypical of Al. We also see Peg trying to cook something, not doing it well, but attempting to cook because what does Peg Bundy not do? Cook, clean, you know, so iron a parent. So, you know, again, I'm going to sound like Alex here. What the hell are we watching? Yeah, I think you're 100% correct. The only exception I can think of to that would be when you're talking about the pimping of Kelly and whatnot would be, ah, gee, I'm on the spot now. But do you remember the episode where uh, she was dating the politician that that fixed the pothole? You know, he was running for mayor and he he got Al's pothole in front of the driveway fixed and he started doing favors for for people. And I, I believe if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I believe that was the episode where Al had the Godfather uh, bit. Am I am I correct? But yes, um, yes, that's correct. Al, in a sense, you could say he he pimped Kelly out there. Yeah, like I said, and and that's my that's my problem with this episode. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, when we get to our ratings, we'll get to it. But I mean, it is just so atypical that I have no idea. Again, like were these writers? Did these writers watch the show? Like were. Were there notes? And I know Stephen Scott mentioned that when we talked about, when we were on the Scared Single episode earlier this season. He talked about how, uh, at this point, it was episodic writing. And I get that. And, you know, and again, we're doing this tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, as, as a fan, as a lifelong fan, I mean, we're both lifelong fans of the show. This just, there's just something that's wrong with this episode. You know, and, and I can't... Uh, I can put my finger on some things, but it's like, I can, I, I guess I can, I'm okay with a couple of things that are non-canical if yeah. it's for the quick joke, but there's yeah. just too much here. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot. You're correct. Okay. So Kelly gives Chad some good luck charms and we hear about Skittles and Gonzar. Oh, wait, I almost forgot. I have a good luck charm for you. Daddy, is it okay? It's fine, pumpkin. Oh, good. Wait here. It's a surprise. 
Uh, I gotta hand it to you, Al. Now I'm gonna be able to prove to Marcy that I am financially responsible. Where is Marcy? In jail. She slapped an IRS agent for not giving her a refund check. Okay, here it is. This is your good luck charm? Yeah, his name is Skittles. And as long as he's near you, nothing bad can happen to you. Here. The pig is my good luck charm. That's my evil giraffe, Gonzar. Chad! Chad! Say something, Chad! I think I broke my arm. Say something else! I know I broke my arm. Al! The bet! What are we gonna do? So Chad falls down and breaks his arms. Holy shit. <laughs> so what is Al going to do? Yeah, I didn't know what he was going to do there. <laughs> that, I, was, I was actually just watching the clip of, uh, of him falling down the stairs there. I was trying to see if that was actually Chad or if that was a stunt guy, but I think it's actually the actor. Yeah, and uh, it was like a lame fall down the stairs. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think he was going to really get hurt because it, it was like the because I think he fell down that first landing, which is what is it, four steps? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like you know, I'm certainly no stunt guy, but I could roll down like that and not break my arm, <laughs> <laughs> or at least I think I could. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure. I want to try, but yeah. <laughs> so now we cut to the TV announcer. And the TV announcer, that's the voice that we hear. And he's played by Ron Pitts. And that's the final score of the Tremaine Jackson's 56, the Sonora Screaming Desert Tortoises, three. We did it! We did it! I'm rich! And how about that performance from the Windy City Condoms player of the game, the quarterback, Chad Dowling. Chad, come on over here, buddy. Let me talk to you. Now, you threw for five touchdown passes. You ran for two more. You set a new collegiate record. Tell me, what are you going to do now? I'm going to Disneyland. So he says the, the final score is the Tremaine Jackson's 56 and the Sonora Screaming Desert Tortoises 3. So Tremaine Jackson's, I believe, is a pun on Germaine Jackson member of the Jackson 5. So he was the second lead vocalist after his brother Michael, and he played bass guitar. Jermaine sang the lead on some songs and had featured vocals on many others, including some of their big hits like I'll Be There and I Want You Back. When the band left Motown and reformed as the Jacksons, Jermaine decided to stay with Motown due to loyalty to Motown founder Barry Gordy, whose daughter he had married and was replaced in the group by the youngest brother Randy. He rejoined the group in 1983 and has remained with them since through various breakups and reunions. Jermaine also had a solo career concurrent with his brother Michael's and had a number of top 30 hits throughout the 70s and 80s. He also produced and recorded duets with American singer Whitney Houston in her early years as a recording artist and was a producer for the band Switch. The Sonoran Desert is a North American desert which covers large parts of the southwestern U.S., including Arizona and California and the northwestern Mexico in Sonora, Baja, California and Baja, California Sur. It is the hottest desert in Mexico with an area of 100,000 square miles. The desert tortoise 
is a species of tortoise native to the Mojave and Sonoran deserts of the southwestern U.S., and it lives about 50 to 80 years. It grows slowly and generally has a low reproductive rate. It spends most of its time in burrows, rock shelters, and pallets to regulate body temperature and reduce water loss. It is most active after seasonal rains and is inactive during most of the year. Now, when I heard that, Chris, it reminded me of the Million Mile Dodge episode. Get Yep. <laughs> when uh, Al calls and he says that he's in Burt Scrotum, New Mexico. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the town names that we have. We have Burt Scrotum, New Mexico. We have Dumpwater, Florida. We have what? What are you know? Wanker County, Wisconsin. Of course, I love some of the names we have over the course of the show. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I thought it was really funny. It's the Windy City Condoms player of the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a little surprised we didn't get so, some wacky Texas name over the course of the show, show's run. At least I can think of. Can you think of one? No, not off yeah. the top of my head. Yeah, you but, you know, we could always pose that question to Annabelle. So if any of the listeners out there, <laughs> you can always post these questions on Facebook, and we can try uh, doing a little more research for you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So now the reporter goes up to the player, and we have the big reveal. He says, Chad, come over here, buddy. Let me talk to you. Now you threw, you threw for five touchdown passes. You ran two more than, uh, and then you set a new collegiate record. Tell me, what are you going to do now? <laughs> I thought it, I don't know if it was you, but I thought it was pretty obvious that it was Al when he walked out. I mean. <laughs> You could tell the audience kind of knew, too, because they reacted well before he took his helmet off. You know what I mean? I mean, it wasn't like a, a resounding laughter or whatever, but I I thought it was obvious that it was Al. How about you? Oh, you know, I, I'm not that swift. And until I saw it, I didn't think that. I thought it could have been Jefferson. Because, you know, I think Jefferson had more of his life at stake than Al. Yeah, that's true. In terms of the bet. But... uh uh, we'll we'll just mention this first uh, before we before we get there, you know. So Al yells out, "Well, I'm going to Disneyland." So <laughs> those are advertising slogans used in a series of television commercials by the Walt Disney Company that began airing in 1987. Used to promote the company's theme park resorts in Florida and California, the commercials most often are broadcast following the Super Bowl and typically feature an NFL player shouting the phrase while celebrating the team's victory immediately after the championship game. Now, Jefferson said that earlier in the season in Luck of the Bundies. I think the first time it was done was when the Giants were in the Super Bowl, I believe. That was in 1987. I think it was Phil Simms who said it. And it became like one of those phrases. I think everyone who was on a sitcom said, I'm going to Disneyland. So it became overplayed for a period of time. I mean, I think now it's become cliched, but it was like a, a, the in thing to say for a while. Anytime you want something. I wondered where that came from because, I mean, like you said, it's something you always heard on sitcoms and certainly in sports. I wondered where that came from. I mean, for me, and now just to get back to this, Chris, I didn't see it at first that it was going to be Al. And the reason why is that we saw, for example, when in the episode that we covered – uh, when Al got circumcised, it's like he's not able to keep up with the college kids. Yeah. So what happened here? It's like now he's able to keep up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he can't. He can't go to the park and play football. Some, you know, a little, a little catch, harmless football with Aaron, but he can go play with college athletes and <laughs> dominate the game. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like I said, it, it just seemed very out of character. Yeah. 
No Ma'am will be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. So Chris, how many times are you going to Disneyland for this episode? Well, a good question. And uh, tell you what, using the scale that we've been using, one being I, I you know, basically I hate the episode and five being uh, I really, really love it. I think I'm going to give it a three. And the reason why is because I guess when I, if I'm ranking at least the season eight episodes, I, I rank this one towards the bottom. Um, I don't think it's a terrible episode by any by any stretch. It, it definitely has some zingers and has some funny moments, but it sort of feels like a filler episode in a way. It, and I think you did a great job of pointing out some of the major problems as far as continuity. You know, Al keeping up with the younger guys, Al pimping out his own daughter. Peggy attempting to cook. It just, you know, I, I thought, you know, Marcy's role in it, you know, and granted Amanda Burst was the director, so she couldn't be in the episode a lot, but I thought Marcy's part was a little silly and just a little too silly, you know what I mean? I don't know. It just, I don't dislike it, but uh, it's not an episode that, you know, if I, if I were introducing someone to Married with Children who had never seen the show before, this is not one of the ones I would show them. I put it that way. But I do like it. I enjoy it. It had some good moments in it. So I'm going to give it a three out of five. Three out of five trips to Disneyland. Well, Chris, I think you were generous because I'm only going to be able to go to Disneyland twice with this episode. Oh, man. (laughs) I don't absolutely hate it, but I really don't like it that much. You know, I really covered it over the course of the podcast itself. Now, one of the things I said at the beginning of the podcast was this was the last episode produced for season eight. And I feel like now usually the way it works is they have a bunch of scripts and they produce these episodes sort of one at a time and they're shot in a certain order. In many seasons, it's like episode one is the, the, you know, the episode one is the first one to air, second one, third one, fourth one, etc. And I believe like in season seven, they pretty much aired in order that they were shot. When you get to the end of season eight, if you look at the episode order, it got scrambled around a lot. And this one should theoretically have been the season closer, but it wasn't. And I think just because it was a very, very weak episode, they couldn't air it last. Yeah. You know, Ke- Kelly Knows Something, which is the next one, is a classic episode for many reasons. Mm-hmm. And... I feel that when that one is reviewed, the scores are going to be very different than the scores we're giving this. I mean, you're rating it a three. I can't give it more than a two. I, I mean, the continuity about, you know, how long ago was Al pl- in high school playing football? You know, why isn't Al beating any of these guys up? Something that, you know, we would want to see. Yeah. You know, like, why, why is it that it looks like Al is pimping out his daughter? Peg is cooking. Mm-hmm. I mean... Marcy is a cartoon character. Yeah, that kind of annoyed me. I mean, I don't know. 
I can pretty much embrace pretty much anything from a, a silliness standpoint. But I don't know. I thought Marcy was a little over the top here, to be honest. Yeah. So I can't give it more than two. I mean, I think I was going to probably go a little lower. I pro- I think when I when I before before I started this episode with you, I think I was going to probably rate it a one and a half. <laughs> but what I will say is that joke about um, between Bud and Al, which was your opener, yeah. it's like because we get horny and don't have the sense to say no. Yeah, that is the most memorable line for me of this episode. Yeah, you know something that I've used. So it's like I I was a little extra generous and gave that extra half a point just for that joke. Otherwise, I would have gone. A little lower. Yeah, I guess I guess the reason I, I, I stick with a three here is because I, I, I think ahead, I think to season 10 and 11. And uh, seasons 10 and 11 to me is really where the show started to really su- suffer as far as the, the just overall quality in the writing and, and, you know, I running out of ideas, so to speak. And I think a, a good chunk of 10 and 11, I think, are like twos, two and a halfs and in some cases, one and a half. And like to me, like uh, Top of the Heap was a one. To me, this episode is way better than Top of the Heap. You know what I mean? So that's why I'm like, well, if Top of the Heap is a one, I can't really say this is a two. It's more like a three to me. But that's, I, I can't really, I mean, you say a two, I can't really argue with that because this is not, this is not a great episode, that's for sure. We can agree on that. <laughs> I think even to the fan base out there, you know, we don't have to agree on everything. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, whatever's funny for me is maybe not be funny for you and for Alex and for the rest of the team with Tyler, Stephen, Annabelle, Matt, etc. You know, and we've heard a lot of uh, opinions this um, season. It's been, I think, a little bit different. And one thing I, I want to just say before we start wrapping this up is it's been a great journey. We're at the second to last episode. We have one more episode left to go. This is an entire season without Alex. Uh, Alex has been participating, as you all know. He has a little column in each of our podcasts now where he gets to opine on the episode. So it's great to hear him. But I do miss hearing like his play-by-play commentary, as well as Dan and Jamie. And we hope that we've been able to entertain all of you. And we appreciate that you've been listening. We appreciate the comments. We appreciate criticism as well. And we just hope you continue listening and continue on our journey through the end of the show. Next week, you'll be hearing Kelly Knows Something, and then we will begin Season 9. Yeah, Kelly Knows Something is a great episode. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, who's who's reviewing that one again? Is that Tyler or is that Annabelle? Let's do it. That will be a surprise, so you need to tune in oh, next week. Oh, okay, awesome, sweet. Okay, so next time, when the Bundy TV set blows its condenser, Al decides to try out for a place on a new sports trivia game show, hoping to win $10,000 for a new TV set as the first prize. But when he is denied because of his lack of personality, Al tries to transfer his knowledge of sports to Kelly to win the show for him. But for each fact that she takes in, another falls out. So thank you and tune in next week. Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel.